definitely looking forward to starting this new series in Proverbs that is foolproof but not memory proof. Thank you, Pastor Blaine. First, not, had to get that in before the year, New Year came. <laughs> hey, I hope that uh, you and your family had a wonderful Christmas week and um, you were able to spend time with family. And thank you for being with us on this very last day of the year as um, we get ready to look at God's word, the text that the Lord put on my heart. I, I'll just preface this by saying this is a family talk today. So I know the majority of you are not guests. You're part of the ACAC family. So we're going to have a a family discussion today as we do that. But let me pray first. Heavenly Father, um, I just want to give thanks for 2023. I pray that all of us, as we think about that personally and in the life of the church, we praise you and we give you thanks because there was a lot of joy this past year. There were amazing things that you did in our personal lives and certainly through us as a church. There were seasons and victories and answered prayers, and we give you thanks for that. But Father, we also thank you for the difficult season because there were unanswered prayers, there were unexpected challenges. There was sickness and even death that we experienced this year. And Lord, not that we are thankful for the pain or the experience, but we are thankful for what that produces in our life. And we recognize today that you are sovereign in the good times and the bad. And that our praise should be continual regardless of what season that we are in. Today, as we are here in the last day of this year and look Ahead to next year, we pray that, Lord, that you would lead us, that we would hear your voice, that we would be obedient, that we would be bold and courageous to following the things and running the errands that you have called us to run as a church. And now as we look to your word, Lord, open our eyes and our ears. Anoint this vessel that you have chosen this morning in your mighty name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. So we are certainly in that season where many people are thinking and talking about things they want to see change in the new year, things that they want to be different in 2024, and we like to call them New Year's resolutions. And I did some research, and these are what I found, uh, according to uh, Statista, the top five resolutions that people have going in to 2024. You will see that there's some familiar threads in them. Top five New Year's resolutions that people have for 2024. The first one is save money. Now, you don't have to identify with these or applaud as we go through them. But the first one is people want to save money. That's a good one. The second one is exercise more. The third one is eat healthier. And again, you're going to see a common thread in a few of these. The fourth one is spend more time with family and friends. That's certainly good. And the fifth one is lose weight. You see, we have some work to do on a few of those there. Those are the top five New Year's resolutions that people have going into 2024. Now, you know this. Um, You may not know the specific statistic, but 92% of New Year's resolutions fail by... January 15th. We don't even make it three weeks. So January 15th, 92% of all New Year's resolutions fail. Now, in case you didn't know, um, nothing wrong with New Year's resolutions, but there is a difference 
between making resolutions and setting goals. Let me explain. You see, a resolution is a statement of what you want to change. A goal is a statement of what you want to achieve, included with the steps that are needed to achieve that goal and the date by which you want to achieve it by. So there is a difference between making or setting goals and having resolutions. In fact, according to a Harvard business study, 83% of the population does not have goals. I would argue that goals are a lot better than resolutions. And 83% of the population, according to Harvard business study, does not have goals. Only, only 3% of us who have goals actually write them down. How many of you write down your goals every year? Okay, so about 3%, that's it, 3%. But know this, if you do write your goals down, you are three times more likely to accomplish them when you write them down. And parents, I would challenge you, my wife and I do this with our kids, and we, we've done this even since like middle school or high school, we encouraged our kids to write down goals. Maybe it was sports, their spiritual goals, or in family. But writing down goals is very important and significant if you set them because you're three, more, three times more likely to accomplish them. And it's a good thing. All of this is good. It's good for us to reflect. It's good for us to review. And it is certainly good for us to plan. Uh, just to give you some insight into our personal life in regards to setting goals and looking back at the past year every year and my wife and I will do this in the next few days um, we take time to do a personal um, end of end of year review I do that I write it down I, I look and I pray over and I think about um, what God did and specific things over the last over the last year and then I set goals for the new year and I do that in four categories. I know many of you do that, but just to give you, again, some insight, I, I do that in four ways, in four kind of areas of my life, spiritually, personally, relationally, and financially. Let me give you some insight here on this. Um, I'll ask questions like this. In thinking back to the past year and looking ahead, how are my spiritual disciplines? Which for a Christ follower, I think is a great question to ask. Um, I'll look back at 2023 and I'll go, how disciplined was I in prayer? Was I consistent about that? Um, how much of God's word did I read? Did I, did I journal? Um, I'll ask questions like, what is God teaching me? What did God teach me in this past year? What are the prayers that were answered? I'll go back through my journal, and, and you'll, again, you'll see how often we have short-term memory. Oh, that's right, God, you answered that. And I'll certainly take time to give him thanks for that. I'll continue on. What prayers are we still praying that you haven't answered yet? What are things that we need to be grateful for? Um, so spiritually, I'll review and then I'll write down goals um, for this new year. I want to increase my prayer, uh, be more consistent in this area of my life. And then personally, I'll look back and I'll look at highlights in my own personal life from this year. And what are some of the struggles? I'll give you an insight too. A great way to do that is simply go through the pictures on your phone. Um, they're dated, and it's a great way to remember um, some of the things that have happened in this past year. I'll ask questions like, what are lessons that I learned? What are things that I still need to work on going into 2024? I'll look at the books that I read. Um, 
here are the books that influenced me and maybe recommend those to others and make a list of books that I want to read in 2024. Another category is relationally. I look back and I ask, how are my relationships with my wife, with my kids, with my family, with my friends? Who are the most influential people over this past year in my life? Who are the people that God brought in that really spoke to me? Um, Who are the people that I am pouring into? Am I being intentional about investing in others? And who is that going to be in this next coming year? The last part of that is financially. I'll ask questions like, where did I spend the resources that God has blessed me with? And that's pretty easy to look. You just have to go to your bank account. Where did I invest the money that that God blessed me with this year? Where am I going to invest it in this next year? How is my spirit of generosity? Have I been a generous person? How can I grow in that? And what does God want me to invest in now? And so I'll look at those areas and look back and look ahead. And that's a good thing to do. Uh, there's a motivational speaker, business person named Zig Ziglar. Many of you probably have, are familiar or heard that name at least. And he says this. He says, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. <laughs> and it's true in life. It's true spiritually. If you don't have a goal, if you don't have a target, you'll hit nothing every time. Now, the Bible supports this type of thinking. Let me read you a couple of Proverbs speaking of that. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry, I love that, puts you further behind. Even if you look at the Bible itself and people in the Bible, the Bible is filled with examples of strategic planning, if you will, or even um, organization. God himself, in the story of creation in Genesis, he was intentional in how he created the earth. Each day was planned and it built upon the next. Moses was given a plan to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. Remember the conversation Moses even had with his father-in-law. Moses was called, he led him out of Egypt. He was called to lead thousands of people. And Jethro, his father-in-law, comes in and helps him to develop a plan to lead and to organize those who were following him. Joshua, in the battle of Jericho, there was a strategic plan and purpose. Nehemiah, the rebuilding of the walls, involved a plan. And even Jesus and his ministry here on earth, it was all part of God's plan. And Jesus, while here on earth, sought out men and women to disciple and to execute a specific mission that we call the Great Commission. Now, we are a spirit-led people. It is the first marker of our DNA. We are spirit-led. Let me uh, eliminate a one... Uh, misconception, you can still be spirit-led and have a plan. Being spirit-led does not mean not having a plan. Okay? Um, We can make plans. We can be strategic in that. But then we allow ourselves to be open to the spirits leading in that. So being spirit-led does not mean not having a plan. So just as we should personally reflect and review and prioritize what's important in our own personal life, we should do the same as a church. And that's what I want to discuss today. We are looking at this as a church. I want to have a family talk, if you will. And in our text for today, the Apostle Paul reminds us, and should remind us, of what's most important, of what that goal, what that target is. He challenges us to remember what our priority should be as a church. Here are his words, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to read 24 
through 26. Paul writes to these first early Christians at this church in a city of Corinth. He first asks a question. He says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing, Paul says. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I want to focus in on verse 24, where he asks that question, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. And then this is the title of the message. So run to win. Say that. Run Run to win. Now, Paul is asking a rhetorical question here to the Jesus followers in that city of Corinth. You see, the people of Corinth, they knew and they understood fully that only one person gets the prize for first place in a race. And Paul here is purposely and strategically using this illustration of a race, of games, of athletic competition, because the city of Corinth was the host to what was called the Isminian Games. And it was second only to the Olympic Games. So in ancient time, in this city called Corinth, Everyone has heard of the Olympic Games, but the second most popular games was called the Isminian Games. And it was hosted in this city of Corinth. And it happened every two years opposite of the Olympic Games. And Paul is writing to this church in Corinth who hosted these games, and he's helping them to focus on what truly matters. He's using something very common, something important to the city, something significant in their cultural context and world to bring light on significant issues in the Christian life. And what he's telling them is, he goes, when you see these athletes running the games, I want you as followers of Jesus to envision a different kind of running. When you see them boxing, I want you to see a different type of boxing. When you see them training and being physically disciplined, I want you to see another type of training and discipline. When you see them celebrating with a gold around their neck or a wreath around their head and standing on the podium, I want you to envision a different kind of prize. If Paul was maybe riding to the church in Pittsburgh... He would have not used a race or um, boxing. He might have used football because that is in our world. That is our language. And so Paul is connecting something that was very important in that city, and he's teaching them a spiritual truth. And for you and I, all of us have to understand that we are all running a race. It is true individually. As followers of Jesus, we are in a race, a Christian journey that's a marathon, but we also are a part of that race as a church. This is true in your life and in every believer, and it's also true for us at ACAC as a church family. The writer of Hebrews, in a very familiar verse that you know, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, 
Let us strip off the weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And he says what? Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. For each one of you, there is a specific race that God is calling you to run. You have a specific race that only you can run. It is also true in the life of the body of Christ. There is a specific race for ACAC. And here's what I love about what Paul says to those Christians in Corinth. He says, run to win. Say it with me. Run. Basically, if you're in a race, make it your goal to win. Now, here's the thing. In our Olympic Games, which I believe the summer games are this, or the summer Olympics are this summer, are coming up. And we'll have a gold medal, a silver medal, and a bronze medal. In the ancient times, even in the Olympics back then, and certainly in the Isminian Games, there was not a prize for second place. There was not a prize for third place. There was only the gold medal. There was one winner. There was no participation trophies. Okay, not everybody got a prize. The only person who got a prize was the one who crossed the finish line first, the one who won. And the Corinthians would have understood that language. Uh, the late and great Vince Lombardi, uh, Hall of Fame coach for the Green Bay Packers, he said, winning isn't everything, it's what? The only thing. Okay, now he was talking about football. But Paul is basically saying the same thing to these first Christians in Corinth. He's saying, run to win. Probably like my family, um, when we gathered with family on Christmas time, we, we played games. You know, like categories or euchre, hearts. How many of you play games? And some of you are like me. Like, I don't care what, of it, what it is. If it's like horse on a Nerf hoop hanging on the door, if it's um, playing sorry or Monopoly, like, I'm not playing just to play. Like, if I'm going to play, I'm going to kick your rear. You know what I'm talking Like, how many of you like me? Like, there's no point. Like, if you're going to play, you might as well win, right? Like, somebody reminded me in the first service, Coach Herm Edwards said, they play to win the game. That's what Paul is saying to the, these first Christians. He's saying, you're in a race, win. So what does that mean? What is winning for us? How do we know in our own personal lives and as a church if we've won? What does it look like? What does it mean for us to win? That's what I want to remind us as a church. Beyond you personally, beyond me personally, but for us as a church, this family talk, I want to remind us that Jesus told us what winning is. Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to his early followers then, and he says the same words to you and I today, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. We have been sent, we have been commissioned by the Father, by Jesus, to win the world for Jesus Christ. What does it mean to win? It means that we see people come to the knowing and the grace of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of other things 
that are important. There's a lot of things that, that lead and build into that. Discipleship's important. Growing's important. Worship, all of those things are very important. But at the end of the day, you know what matters? Is that we see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, winning results when the church body works in concert, works together to inspire faith in Jesus Christ. That's what it means for us to win. So, just as Paul said to that church in Corinth, when you see athletes training, when you see them competing on the field, let me put it in our terms, when you see TikTok and Instagram of Steelers training, when you watch them today at 4 o'clock and they're competing, Paul would say to us, get your eyes off of things that are earthly. Get them on eternal. Remember that we are in a spiritual battle. Remember that physical training is good, but spiritual training is much better. Remember that while they may fight for a Lombardi trophy, that is something earthly and that will fade away. But we are fighting and, and searching and running and doing all that we can for eternal salvation. Because if we believe that there's a hell, and we do, I hope you do. If we believe that if Jesus is the only way to eternal salvation which I do, which we do, then that means those who have not placed their faith in Jesus Christ will spend eternity separated from God. And if we truly believe that, then this race that we should do everything in our power, our hearts should break when we see a world that is living in darkness. And we should do everything in that text, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is defending his authority, and he's talking, he, he basically says, I will do everything short of sinning to reach the Jews. When I'm with Jews, I will do everything I can to reach the Jews. I will enter their world, I will enter their context and do everything I can that I might win some. That's the context of this. He says the same thing for the Gentiles. When I'm with Gentiles, I will do everything short of sinning. To, I will enter their world, I will enter their context so that I might win some. That is what it means for us to win. It's time for us to run to win. I'm not saying we haven't run. I'm not saying that hasn't been the goal. But on this last day, as we head and we look back and we think about goals for this next year, as I do for us as a church, that is on our, the top of my list. That we should be reminded that at the end of the day, it is about sharing faith. Sharing the good news and seeing lives come to know Jesus Christ. Winning results when the church body works in concert to inspire faith in Jesus. Let me just speak freely and kind of visionally to you here at the end. Here in two days, on January 2nd, um, it will be the fourth year anniversary of me coming to ACAC to be your lead pastor. And shortly after I came, four years ago, in 2020, I was talking with a fellow pastor um, that I look up to, and not in our denomination, but he had uh, followed a longtime pastor, very much like I was with Pastor Rock, and was at a historical church. And I reached out, and I just asked him for any wisdom or counsel. And he said, I'd encourage you to pray over this. He passed this down to me, which somebody had passed on to him. 
He goes, I'll give you four words for your first four years. He said, your first year, everything you should do should be about orientation. He goes, you're going to be orientating yourself to ACAC, to a new community that you're moving into. And they're going to be orientating themselves to you. There's that orientation period. If you think back four years ago, there was a bit of a dance there. I'm a lot different than Pastor Rock, and I know you felt that. And it's like, okay, he's not Pastor Rock, a little little different. And there's the orientation. And I was doing that with you. And then we had COVID in the midst of that. So that was fun. And uh, orientation was the first year. And it pretty much lived up to that. And I I really prayed through that and tried to orient, make that that word for the year. The second one is experimentation. He goes, in your second year, you'll find that trust is being built. And some of the things that God may be calling you to do to, to change, you can experiment with some of those things. And that second year, you'll see some of that experimentation happen. And that was pretty much true. The third year, he called it a year of evaluation. He said, I would recommend that as you pray, evaluate everything. Um, evaluate mission, like it have, has, have we shifted off mission? Just pray through that. Um, staff, ministries, and these are things that don't really come up on the weekend and the, you don't hear a lot of those conversations, but I really prayed through that. And what resulted in that third year, um, our mission is following Jesus in diverse community. That didn't change, but we really clarified who we were. That third year, um, I preached a series. We, we, along with the elders and congregational leadership and our staff, nailed down the five markers of our DNA, um, our ACAC DNA, our vision statement. And we just evaluated those things like, is this who, you know, where, where's God taking us in that? And so that was true. And then the fourth one, which I'm coming into now, he said, that'll be your year of acceleration. And when I was away on sabbatical, Last August, normally every study break, I, I pray into the next year. Um, and I was like, Lord, what are, you, what are you saying for us as a church? And we were getting close to the hub being finished. And I hadn't thought about that conversation in a long time. But the Lord reminded me of that word acceleration. And I came back and I shared that with our staff. And I, as I began to pray over that, the Lord led me to this, to this portion of text, 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Paul said, run to win. Church family, many of you, you've been here a long time. Some of you, in the last year, this is your home. This isn't a weekend where we have a lot of guests and visitors. This is family. It's time to run and run to win. And I'm not saying we haven't run in the past. I'm not saying this isn't an indictment on the past. I'm just saying in this new season, it is time that we run. And we run with the vision in mind that we are in a community, a city, a nation and a world where people need Jesus. There's going to be a lot of distractions this year, especially in November and leading up to that. May we never forget what our eyes are focused on. We need to see people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's why we do things like Christmas in the city. Um, Not going to lay out all those things today, but as we go through it, we as a church need to be on the track, running to win. And let me say this. For some of you, um, when I talk about acceleration and running, you have that fogginess in your eyes that a few of our staff have who have been here a long time. Because <laughs> I came back and I said, the word accelerate. And some of them were like, Pastor, <laughs> like, I need to tap out in some Gatorade. Because <laughs> they've been running for a long time. 
And there are some of you here, you have been serving and you have been running for years. And you've been carrying the weight of multiple people. I want to thank you. And I'm not asking you um, to kick it into a third gear. Although, if you have it, that'd be awesome. (laughs) I really want to say this because we have some that you're not even on the track. You're watching from the sidelines. This isn't about Pastor Allen running a race to win. It's not about our staff or our elders. It's about collectively us as a church. Ephesians 4.12 talks about the job description of the pastor. And it is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. It is not my job to have you invite your guests and friends to bring them here so I can get them saved. One, I can't save anybody. It's the Holy Spirit's job that does that. But it's all of our responsibility. And there are some... I'm asking you, as you look into this new year, ask, what is the role that God has me to play in the life of ACAC? We need you. We're not operating on full cylinders. Um, We need to be offense, defense, and special teams. And there's a standard. I could go through it, but I'm not going to do that today. But we need everybody doing it together. And so as you review, as you look ahead, pray. And here's the last thing I'm going to ask you to pray about. Um, I want you to think of somebody, one, maybe two, no more than two people that are in your sphere of influence that do not know Jesus. And as you write down goals this next year, I want you to write their names. And what would happen if the nearly 2,000 of us that gather on a weekend here at ACAC, if we all thought of two people that didn't know Jesus and we prayed for them every day, what would happen? I wonder. I wonder what God would do. I wonder what opportunities would open. I wonder what conversations would open if we became so intentional about seeing people come to Jesus. That's what it means to win. So run to win. Stand to your feet this morning. Heavenly Father, I don't want to, I don't want anybody to mistake this message um, for it being a season where we need to try harder or to somehow shift and that we can do this on our own. This isn't a try harder, we got this. If this is about you doing the work, we recognize that. But it is about us being intentional and about you using us in the race that you have called us to. So I pray that today as we leave, no one would feel the, no one would feel the guilt or the burden that I gotta do more. That is not, I know your heart. But there is a responsibility, just as athletes are disciplined, just as they are intentional about being in the weight room, about learning the playbook. God, you have called us, and I believe that there is an intentionality we need to have in our life in prayer, in stewardship, 
in serving, in reading your word, and memorizing your word. So God, I ask that your spirit would empower us. That we are, when we are in the um, spiritual weight room, if you will, in the morning or in the evening, that God, that you would expand and, and stretch us. That you would increase our faith. And God, I pray that this time next year, Lord, the kingdom of heaven would be larger. Lord, there would be new pages added to the Lamb's book of life. That, Lord, there would be children that, that don't know you that have now come to know you. That there will be drug addicts and alcoholics that, um, Lord, have, have, have been redeemed, Lord, and have found help and healing. That there would be marriages restored. That there would be sick who are healed. All for your glory, God. So we confess to you now we are unable to do it in our own might. Lord, we look to you. Lord, let us see you so clearly in 2024. I pray that we would not get distracted um, by the things of this world, but we would have an eternal focus. Lord, let it happen in us. Let it happen in this place. Let us be a people who run to win. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. I'm going to invite our prayer team to uh, come forward. And uh, one of the things we changed this year is that the end of our services, we just want to open up the front that if you're here today and need prayer, um, our prayer team uh, or some of our elders or staff pastors will be here to pray with you. One more time before you go, say, run to win. Run to win. Let's do it together. God bless you.